Okay, I'd like to welcome the CD and DVD program, those who might see this later on on the internet. <clears throat> I want to begin with a question, and that is, what do you fear? What do you fear? You know, if you were to do a survey, the answers to that question would be many, of course. Maybe at the top of the list might be death, getting old, getting sick. You know, I watched a special one time about people, different things that they feared, and, and one of the things they feared was germs. And it was a person that basically could not go outside of their home. Or when they went into a bathroom, they had this ritual that they would go through of cleansing and, and washing. And, you know, to be in bondage to your fear like that is incredible. And it is just that. It is torment when you're in fear. Uh, claustrophobic, I have a tendency to fit into that category. One time I made a mistake, I think recently, uh, I forget if it was at Dollywood or whatever, and they, they lock you down in one of those roller coasters where those bars come over. And the moment that thing clicked in place, I said, uh-oh, I am locked in here and I cannot get out. And a cold sweat came over me. And, you know, people, you know, different fears. Uh, Ronnie has a friend who fears elevators, and, and getting in an elevator nearly freaks out. Close, close, you know, we're all close together, and the thought, I can't get out of here. A lot of different fears that we have. Now, I saw something recently. It said, forget dying in public speaking. Here's the 47 things America, Americans fear most. Number one. Corrupt government officials, that is at 74%. Okay, this is what they said. <laughs> America's health care, uh, 55%. Pollution of ocean, rivers, and lakes, 53%. Not having enough money for the future. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> 50%. High medical bills. Uh, the U.S. will be involved in another world war. Number eight, global warming and climate change. That's at 48%. You know, people are seriously concerned about this. They shouldn't be, but they are. North Korea using weapons, 47%. Air pollution, financial collapse, uh, extinction of plants and animal species, uh, terrorist attacks, identity, identity theft, uh, biological warfare, credit card fraud, People I love dying was another fear at 39%. Uh, people I love becoming seriously ill. Uh, let's see, widespread civil unrest, nuclear weapons attack, government restriction of firearms and ammunition. That came in at 38% of people. Uh, government tracking personal data, oil spills, the collapse of the electrical grid, 35%. Being hit by a drunk driver, 35% again. The Affordable Care Act, people fear that one. <laughs> Being unemployed, <laughs> being unemployed. Nuclear accident or meltdown. Random mass shootings, 28%. Devastating drought, break-ins, theft of property. Sharks, sharks comes in, 25%. People fear a shark attack. You know, you're in the ocean, you start thinking about that stuff, or some people do. Uh, computer replacing people in the workforce, 25%. Devastating tornadoes, reptiles, snakes, lizards, 23%. <laughs> uh, 
Devastating earthquakes, devastating hurricanes, radical hate crime at 20%. Dying, well, it came in last at 20%. I don't know if I believe that, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. I thought it was interesting God was not on this list of things that you would fear. And of course, Romans 3 and verse 18 says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. You know, there are more things to fear in this life than you could count. The list goes on and on and on. Do we want to spend the rest of our lives living in fear? No, we don't. No, we don't. You know, why, I thought about why we fear certain things. A lot of it has to do with what we put into our heads, you know. You know, like Hollywood movies, uh, movies that you see. Uh, I'm not into horror movies, but and there's a reason I'm not, because I can't disconnect from them. But you know, if you're scared, maybe you're walking down the hall in your home and you think of someone jumping out, out of a closet, it, it probably has something to, to do with something you put into your mind many years ago. There, there are things that, the things we shouldn't put into our mind that sort of keeps us awake at night. We're sort of scared. Some people fear the dark. They don't want to go outside at night. They're scared of the dark. Some people are scared of a cemetery. Because of Hollywood's portrayal of a cemetery, evil, whereas to me it's one of the most beautiful places. I mean, if you think about what happens at cemeteries, it's, it's the resurrection of the dead. A, a great family reunion of people coming together. You know, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But we've been programmed to fear these things. And, and we shouldn't be. So, so the list of things that we fear... Someone said, everything you want, everything that you want is on the other side of fear. Interesting comment, interesting, interesting statement. You know, I want immortality. I want to live forever. There's something, though, in between there called death. <laughs> so everything that you want is on the other side of fear. And yes, people fear death. And, and I think to some degree, no matter how religious, no matter how spiritual, we can fear these things. Yoda said, train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Now that's easier said than done. <laughs> train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Why? Why are you fearful? It sort of hit home with me just recently. I was driving down the road and I thought, I want to stop in in this motorcycle shop and just look. You know, just sort of fondle the motorcycle, run my hand across the seats, you know. And uh, the smell of those new bikes, you know. It's, uh, as a little boy, I would have been like a boy in a candy store going into a motorcycle shop when I was 18. Well, I, I was still like a little boy. I was looking and I was smelling and I was looking at all the different bikes and, and thought, wow. This is incredible. They had the slingshot things you can ride, called a slingshot. They had the, uh, the bikes with the two wheels on the front. I forget what that's called. Uh, spider, spider. Of course, they had the motorcycle. They had the four-wheelers. They had it all, and I was just looking at it and thinking, wow. Looked at a big old uh, uh, Honda, <coughs> Honda uh, Goldwing, and I thought, man, that would be nice to take a trip on. That is one nice bike. I mean, it's like you're sitting in an easy chair when you ride this thing. 
And with cruise control and everything, the adjustable vents and all that stuff and the windshield, it's just a wonderful, nice looking bike. And all of a sudden, as I thought that, I thought, you know, you, you and your wife, you know, you could get hit by, uh, uh, you could die on that bike, you know, you could, and, and, and I left the place. I did not like what I was experiencing. I left it instead of rejoicing as a young teenage boy would have with a certain amount of fear, certain amount of down and out and sort of regret it that I went in there in the first place. Uh, and I thought, this, this, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Now, maybe some people would say, well, you just, you got common sense now. Uh, you got, <laughs> you do not like hitting the pavement at 50 miles an hour. Uh, there's no fun in that. But um, I think fear can be one of the greatest tactics Satan uses against us. Fear. Fear is anti-God. And why, do I, why would I say this? Well, turn to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. And I'll show you why. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Notice that. God has not given us the spirit of fear. It's interesting. It refers to as the spirit of fear. That's not from God. Now, there are two deeply religious spirit beings in the world. You remember Satan appears as an angel of light. There's a reason I say there's two deeply religious spirit beings. You know, it was Satan's religion at the very beginning when he said, has God said, you know, you shouldn't eat and, and you shall not surely die. The premises for the false teaching of the immortality of the soul. First lie Satan ever told. You're not going to die. You've got something immortal about you. But if you have a spirit of fear, where is that coming from? Is it coming from God? No. No, it's not. I think all of our fears can originate out of the pit of hell. Now, I'm not talking about as you get older, the fear of climbing a ladder that you might have. I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about the fears that keep us in bondage, keeps us from being productive as human beings. I mean, let me clarify something, though. Loss of desire as you get older is not fear. We did a church recently, and, and it was, we rented this hydro scaffolding that was 50 feet in the air. I had no desire to get up there on that thing. When you're, you know, you climb this tower 50 feet, I'm used to working on scaffolding but not 50 feet in the air. So when you climb a tower 50 feet, I had no, yeah, there was some fear there, but, but, to be honest with you, but I had no desire to do it. And so, you know, in other words, you, you, you don't tell an 80-year-old person you shouldn't fear to bungee jump. Uh, <laughs> it's just they, they have no desire to do it, probably. You know, I just don't want to do that. And, and so, so loss of desire that comes from the aging process is not what I'm referring to as fear. However, God is not the author of fear. There is another spirit being that is the author of our fears. Think about that. Think about that. Look at Revelation 21 and verse 8. Revelation 21 and verse 8. If you think about what this is telling us about fear, Revelation 21 and verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable 
and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Okay, that's the second death. Notice the first category. The fearful. The fearful. So that tells me I need to get a handle on my fears. I really do. We need to get a handle on what I fear. You know, the phrase, fear not, is in the Bible 62 times. You know, here, here's what God says. I, fear not. Don't fear this thing. There is something that we are to fear. There's one major thing in it throughout the Bible as you, look, as you study the word fear. There is something we are to fear. We're to fear God. Fear Him. Fear the Lord. Those phrases are often repeated again and again. And fear God. Fear Him. Fear the Lord. In fact, the Bible tells us, you don't have to turn there, Deuteronomy 13 and verse 4, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and cleave unto Him. Who are we to fear? First and foremost, we are to fear God. These other things... You don't need to fear them. Now, I want to look at six things Jesus tells us not to fear. And it's, I admit it's troubling. It's disturbing. Because I think, well, Lord, okay, you're telling me to do this. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Because these are, these are huge things we're not to fear. Right from the mouth of Jesus. Don't fear these things. The first one, don't fear the storms of life. Okay, storms of life can be many things, but it can be even a literal storm. You know, you ever, you know, we were, me and Sandy, we were driving, delivering some stone a month ago. And we were driving down 220, and, and, and there, we heard the predictions about tornadoes touching down. And it was raining so hard I could barely see the road. The wipers were on wide open. And we found out, we went through that section of 220, we found out about 15 minutes later that tornado touched down right there where we had just driven through. So, you know, you got this storm coming up and you think, wow, you know, I, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Well, let's take a look at this example, Matthew 8 and verse 24. I love this story. Matthew 8 and verse 24. <clears throat> and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. You know, I've never been on a ship in, as far as during a storm. I can guarantee you that. I see some that, that have been, and you know what that's like. It's not a pleasant, yeah, experience. One time we were going to rent a boat of about, a, I think, 100 people went out at the feast on this big, fairly big, you know, boat. They got, they, they heard that a storm was coming in, and they canceled the whole thing, gave us our money back. So, I take it it's a very serious thing that, you know. So, they, the disciples said, look, look we're going to die. <laughs> think about that. You know, you're looking at, we're going to die out here. I fear this thing. And he said to them, why are you fearful? What kind of question is that? <laughs> why would I not be fearful? <laughs> oh, you of little faith. I mean, think about this. What do you face in your life? What do you fear? Jesus comes along and says, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little 
faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So who is in control here? First one, and it, it may be difficult. Don't fear the storms of life that you're going through. Don't fear this. Number two, don't fear nature. Nature. Now, I, I've met people that they don't like the stuff that's out there. I don't like ticks. I don't like those snakes that I see. You know, I don't like, you know, I'm, I'm scared of the dark. I don't like going, you know, there are things that people fear in nature. The nat now, let's notice this. I love this verse, Genesis 9 and verse 1. It tells us something about what God did for us about this. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moves upon the earth, upon all the fishes of the sea, unto, into your hands are they delivered. Boy, I love that. Instead of fearing them, you know, I, I got this walking trail. Walk, it goes one and a half miles around the edge of the fields. Beautiful scenery. And, I'm, you know, I'm walking through there. I don't have anything to protect myself. I mean, nothing. And I started thinking, well, suppose a bear jumps out of the wood. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> why? I mean, with this, this verse, God says, don't, don't. Look, I put the fear of them in, in, in them. They fear you. Don't worry about this. What do you fear? What do you fear? Number three, don't fear the absolute worst scenario. Now, how many of us are good at developing the absolute worst scenario when things go wrong? You know, it's, 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 it's not just going to be bad. It's really going to be bad. All right, Luke 8 and verse 49. This is what I call the worst case scenario. And let's notice what happens. Luke 8 and verse 49. While he yet spake, there came one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying unto him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. She's dead. Nothing you can do. Don't, worry. Don't, don't trouble the master. Not a thing he can do. But when Jesus heard it, he answered, saying, Fear not. Man, she's dead, though. She's dead. Fear not. Believe only. She shall be made whole. And when he came to the house, he suffered no man to go into, save Peter, James, and John. And the father of the mother and of the maiden, they all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not, she is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. That sort of tells you where their faith was at. They laughed at him. Ha! What is this person? What do you mean she's asleep? Knowing that she was dead is the reason they laughed. They knew. Okay, this is the worst case scenario. She is dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and cried, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. And she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them not that they should tell no man what was done. What's the worst case scenario you can come up with? I don't know if you can get any worse than this. And yet God says, look. No matter how bad it gets, fear not. Fear not. Number four, don't fear all the injustice of our people and nation. All the injustices that you see. Matthew 10 and verse 25. <clears throat> you know, sometimes 
all the things that's gone on in our world, our society. Who killed JFK? You know, um, I read a book one time, Teddy Bear, and I, I just about Chappaquiddit, and Mary Jo Chappaquiddit, whatever her name was. And it just, you know, read the story and you thought, man, something fishy is going on here. I mean, what, what? And there's tons of, that's not, that's just one story that you hear about that. All the injustice that you see in our world. OJ, you know, you remember that case? There was a guy, a contractor we did work for, and he, he said he is, he is innocent. He did, he was framed. And, it, and I, I thought, are you serious? And he was serious. And, uh, but look, look at this verse. I, I like this. Backing up first of all, Matthew 10, verse 25. It is enough for the disciple. He's going to tell us something about our ministry and who you are and what you are. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. You're supposed to be like Jesus. And the servant as his Lord. We are Christ's servants, Lord, whatever. Uh, it says, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? If they set, accuse Jesus of being under the influence of Beelzebub, you know, what are they going to say about you? Well, it's not going to be good. Next verse, 26. Fear them not, therefore. Don't fear them. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. All of it, we're going to know one day. Who killed, who killed, who killed JFK? We're going to know it all. It's going to be revealed. And that's going to be, a, you know, a, I think, a beautiful time. There's nothing hid. There's nothing covered. When we fear all the injustices, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make it right. You know, we agonize over these things, you know. We, I, I cannot listen to talk radio without getting livid about the corruption, political corruption, the corrupt media. It just drives me crazy. And I sometimes think I'm better off not to listen to it. All right, number four, five, don't fear man. And this is a biggie. Don't fear man. Matthew 10 and verse 27. What I tell you in the darkness that you speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear that preach upon the housetop. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him which is able to kill, destroy both soul and body in hell. So whatever this soul is, can be destroyed. Body and soul in hell by God. Which basically dismisses the idea of the immortality of the soul. That's another story. But fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. So, you know, fear of man is something that, there are times we do okay with this, but if the right circumstances presents itself, if the right people line up, and, if the, and the right reputation is on the line, yeah, there, there are times when we can fear other people. You know, we can. And God says, don't, don't fear man. Don't fear man. Number six, don't fear the economy. Never doubt that God will take care of you. You know, it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but Ronnie was telling me. Ronnie, it's not funny. Uh, but <laughs> he was telling me about a lot of our, our contractors that, that we worked for for all these many years, they're starting to retire. And it's not just one. It was one. It might that'd be bad enough. But it's like four or five of them starting to retire. And these are contractors that really have given us a lot of business. And it's, it's something that you thought about, but you didn't think about it all occurring at one big lump sum, that these baby boomers or whatever, they're, they're old enough to retire, 
And uh, where do we go? Where, where do we get to work? What do we do? Uh, how do we generate new contractors? Because there is a difference today. Back then, those contractors were loyal to us. You know, they would say, we're, we're not, we don't get anybody else but U.S. Stone to do our work. Today, that loyalty, it's, it's about the cheapest price. Who, who can give me the cheapest? And there isn't, there's no loyalty there. Give me the cheapest price. So you worry about these things, don't we? We fear these things. Don't fear the economy. Never doubt that God will take care of you. Matthew 6 and verse 25. I'm reading from the uh, New Revised Standard Version. Matthew 6 and verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And, and birds are amazing things. You know, they, they, I, I watch them in storms sometimes, and they just, uh, where, do, where do birds go when there's a tornado? I mean, they, they, it, maybe some of them get killed, but yeah, above it, is it? yeah, they, they go away they, to safety or whatever. But you know, there can be a storm, you know, you're watching the storm and lightning's boom, striking here, there, and here's this bird out there taking a bath in the, in the, in the water hole. He's like, he's just not worried about it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> God's going to take care of me. And uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, they, they just like love life no matter how bad it is out there. <laughs> and uh, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your lifespan? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive after these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first. Here's your first priority for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. All these things. If, you're, if you've got the right priority, kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, all these things are going to be given to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring enough worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> so I look at this and I think, wow, this is something that Jesus gives us to, and they're not easy. They're, it's not simplistic, I don't think. Don't fear the storms of life. Don't fear nature and all that's around you. Look, look, those creatures, are, they're, they're fearful of you. That's the way I made it. Don't fear the absolute worst scenario. Don't fear all the injustice of our people and nation. Don't fear man. Don't fear the economy. Never doubt that God will take care of you. We are to be fearless. I mean, think about that. Waking up every day, I am fearless. You know, Hebrews, you don't have to turn there. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Why does God tell us to be content with what we have? You know, sometimes we can fear the good life leaving us, you know, the good times, the good old day, and you know, I fear that. 
I want it to be good all the time, but be content with what you have so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Another translation says, I am fearless no matter what. I'm fearless no matter what. Now, to conclude, I want us to turn back to 1 John 4 and verse 18. A scripture that tells us much about the subject of fear. 1 John 4 and verse 18. It hits on why we fear, what's really going on, what's the real dilemma behind our fears. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment, and boy does it ever. And the person you're tormenting is yourself. You live it day and, light, day and night if you're fearful. The torment is on you. He that feareth is not made perfect in love, you know, the, the, the ability to deal with our fears is to understand how much God loves you. How much God loves us. 1 John 4 and verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. God called you to love you. You know, a lot of times we think, okay, God called me to show me the truth. Okay, yeah, I got That's secondary. At the top of his list, when God called you, he says, I am going to love and then fill your name in a blank. That's the reason I'm calling you, to love you. It goes on in 1 John 4 and verse 16, and we know, we have known and believe, believed the love that God has toward us. God is love, and he that dwells in him dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. There's no fear in love. You know, the man who feels he loves God with all of his heart can never dread him as a judge. You know you love, you don't dread him as a judge. Our fears, I believe, come from questioning God's love for us. I think of all of our fears exist because we are questioning God's love for us. Do we understand the great love God has for us? And there, there's a vicious cycle that can occur. First of all, we start questioning God's love for us. Something bad happens. Something out of the ordinary. Something that we did not anticipate. Something sort of bad comes into our life. And then, then we start questioning God's love for us. Maybe God doesn't really care. Maybe God's aloof. Maybe he's, it seems like he's off somewhere on the other side of the universe, this thing I'm going through. And then that often leads to vulnerability, temptation. And temptation can lead to sin. And then sin is a vicious cycle. We sin and we say, well, how could God love me? Look at what I've done. It's a cycle, a vicious cycle, a cycle of fear. And this verse is a way to check our spiritual pulse, let's say. 1 John 4 and verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. Are you tormented by the things that you fear? He that feareth is not made perfect in love. That's why I say it's sort of like a thing to check your spiritual pulse. Okay, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. 
You know, we will never eliminate all of our fears by simply loving God. Why? Because we make mistakes. You know, if your relationship is all just built on, okay, can I, I, I've got to love God, you know, and, and, and because you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fall short. <clears throat> we will never lim- eliminate our fears by simply loving God. We eliminate our fears by absolutely understanding God's great love for us. This is a two-way street relationship. Yeah, we love God. We're supposed to. But the greater issue is God's love for you. That's the greater issue, how much God loves you. If your whole entire relationship is just based on only our, our, loving, our, our love for God, you're going to end up living in fear. You've got to understand it's a two-way street. You've got to understand God's love that he has for you. His willingness to say, okay, yeah, it came up short. Yeah, I'm going to forgive him. Yes, he has my spirit. And in the end, I'm going to teach him exactly, you know, how to live his life and how to do the right thing. So, never forget, we love him because he first loved us.